let's stand. Hallelujah. It's good to be back in the United States of America. <laughs> Just got back from Israel. Israel was a wonderful time. But it's great to see everyone here this morning. I'm Pastor Elizabeth Work. I'm Jordan's wife, Pastor Jordan's work's wife. If you're new here this morning, I'll love to come and give you a hug and greet you and say hello. <laughs> it's good to see you all here this morning. You know, when I was in Israel, um, it was a wonderful time, and I just loved being on the southern gates of Israel at the temple. And it said in the word in the book of Psalms, it says, let's enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, glory. Lord, I just thank you for this morning, Lord, each and every person that's here. Thank you, Lord. We shall enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Hallelujah. I wanna scream it out from every mountain top. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. And I sing because you are good and I dance because. You are good, and I shout because you are good, you are good, you're good to me. Nothing and no one comes anywhere close to you. Be a And I sing, and I sing because you are good, and I dance because you are good, and I shout because you are good, you are good to me. With a cry of praise, and with a cry of praise, I will proclaim, you are good, you are good. cry and with a cry of praise my heart will proclaim that you are good that you are good 
And I sing, and I sing because you are good, and I dance because you are good, and I shout because you are good, you are good to me, to me. Oh, taste and see that 
I've had good days, I've had bad days, tasted victory and defeat. I've had problems, big as planets, turned to pebbles when you speak. I've had nothing to my name, never lacked for anything, cause you were there with me. You've been my savior, sustainer, when I'm in stand before you guilty oh your mercy bears my blame when in pride i think i'm worthy you point out the price you paid when i wander far away you keep calling out my name you don't give up Sustainer when I'm in my head, my healer. Redeemer. 
Jesus 
It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out. like just this cool spring weather or the fact that my wife is next to me in the front row but I just had a great time worshiping the Lord today <laughs> what a great time to be in the house of God oh man great to be in the house of the Lord hallelujah Amen. oh so good to be back I love you all so good <laughs> love Israel it's good to be back I was uh, just thinking about this verse this verse came to me in the middle of the night sometimes I just get a verse that just hit my spirit and it's Hebrews 13, be content with such things as you have. And I was thinking about the children I have, the house that I bought from a hoarder that I have remodeled, which gives me great joy. <laughs> and, and it says, the reason why you're content is because Jesus said he will never leave you nor forsake you. If you got him, you got everything. And you know, in the culture we're in, it's easy to forget that, isn't it? Because man, we are focused on other things. And I'm just grateful for the Lord, amen. 
If you got him in your life, why don't you just say, Lord, take me. I surrender to you. I love you. I'm thankful for you. Your breath in my life and my lungs. I love you. Man, I'm grateful for the Lord. Never leave you nor forsake you. I'm content, Lord, with who you are in my life. I'm content to know you. That is the cry of our heart, Lord. Help us walk in contentment and gratitude in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. It is great to see your faces, man. Spring morning, it's beautiful outside. Give someone a hug. Welcome out to the house of God. Great to have you with us. Give this worship team a hand if you can. morning. Welcome to Bethany Church. We are so glad that you are here. If you are visiting us for the first time, beneath the seat in front of you is a connection card. This card has information about who we are and the heart behind our church. If you would take a moment and fill out that card, you can turn it in to Guest Central Station in the foyer for a free gift or the offering box in the back of the sanctuary. We would love to connect with you. One of the things I love about the kingdom of God and its principles is that there is room for everyone. One day, Jesus was sitting across from the treasury and was watching people. Some gave moderately and some gave much. But a woman who dropped in two copper coins commanded his attention. He gathered his disciples and pointed out how richly she gave. In the kingdom of God, it does not matter the amount that you give, but the heart and the sacrifice with which you gave. When you give happily and out of joy and appreciation, there's room for you and your gift, no matter how large or small. God sees you and knows the sacrifice it means to you. So if it is in your living hearts. Ladies, on May 13th at 11 a.m., we are going to be having our Ladies and Lemons Luncheon. You don't want to miss this. Mark your calendars. Invite a friend. It's going to be a wonderful time of connection of faith and relationships and teaching in the word that I'm going to do. I'm excited to share what the Lord has put on my heart. Sign-up sheets are in the foyer. Don't miss out. I would love to see you. Oh, man, it is good to be in the house of the Lord and see all your beautiful faces. How are we all doing today? All right, man, I'm in a series uh, called Suffering Succotash, and uh, we're studying, uh, I'll be concluding it today, because my wife is home. I started the series about suffering, because my wife left for 12 days with me and children. Uh, <laughs> so a challenging topic, but one of my personal favorites. 
And of course, you know, the reason I've enjoyed this is because I'll never forget the time Elizabeth took off to Israel, and I did my best to take care of those children, and I thought I did pretty good, but I, I did find out at the end of this, uh, you know, time taking care of them that I forgot to pack lunches for one of them, snacks. And fortunately, my sister had the foresight. They go, her kid goes to the same school as Abigail Preschool, and she brought snacks for her, praise God. <laughs> yeah, so we survived. <laughs> And, you know, the thing about going to Israel, man, we're going to have an interest meeting here after the service about 1145, and the world's a hot mess right now, in case you didn't know it. But if the opportunity comes, I think you should seize the moment. And uh, we'll, we'll just be discussing that. Any questions you might have, we're looking at going in 2025, and I'll lay out ideas and thoughts for you. And if you want to hear some stories from Elizabeth, you come back there, and she'll talk a little about it. But, baby, I'm grateful to have you home. Now, the second reason I've enjoyed this series is because, for me, I personally feel I have grown closer to the Lord, just in the middle of doing this. So I want you to go to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to just read, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Philippians 3. I want to read starting in verse 7, and I want to read down to verse 11. It just sets the tone. This is what Paul wrote. Whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted lost for Christ. He said, indeed, I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord, that you're working in us. And I pray for revelation. I pray for insight. And I thank you for maturity and growth as we study the scriptures this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Now, this particular passage of scripture has a lot of meaning to me because I do remember a cool June morning in the year 2000, and I had been working... Uh, at a lumber yard over at night shift, and I came home uh, to my Uncle Steve's house, and I sat uh, beneath a tree before he put a shop up on a, on a little chair there, and I remember the cool morning breeze blowing through my toes when I read this passage of Scripture. And every time I read it, I go back in time. Like I'm in that place, and I feel that breeze, and I remember the sensation of God's presence just reading this passage about knowing the Lord. And I've always just been amazed by it. He made an interesting statement in this 10th verse about knowing the Lord, the power of his resurrection, which we could talk about at a later time. And he mentioned this phrase, the fellowship of his suffering. Now, that is an interesting phrase, the fellowship of suffering. So I've been talking about various types of suffering that people go through. And I was drawn this week particularly to this passage of Scripture the fellowship of his suffering. Here's what I've discovered, that there is a closeness that you get with God that occurs in places of anguish. There's a closeness that you get from the Lord in difficult moments. Pain has a remarkable way of drawing you closer to the Lord. And it, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but man, I like people who wrote the Bible. I mean, Peter and Paul both wrote it. We've been in the book of Peter quite a bit. Peter said to rejoice in the sufferings. And Paul said, his sufferings abound in you, so the comfort of the Holy Spirit abounds in you. And when I think about, you know, difficult things I've been through in life, man, I found that God was there with me in difficult places. You know, I've had the death of my father and my grandfather, who were both like father figures in my life. 
And I remember the Lord's comfort in those difficult places. I remember 40 days in the neonatal intensive care unit with my son. And, and, and just the, the, the turmoil of going through that, yet I discovered God was with me in that moment. I, I can think about you know, life, and yet I found that for whatever reason, you know, have broken apart or caused pain in life, and yet I found that the Lord has been with me, He's matured me, He's helped me grow in life through them. And I think about, uh, you know, recently, I I had been in sort of a funk, and, you know, people go through that. I was praying and seeking the Lord, I was feeling resistance from the adversary, and I remember sitting in my office, and the Lord comforted me and just reminded me that I just needed to grow spiritually in my own relationship with Him. Man, that, that blessed me. In some of the most difficult moments, when you feel depressed, discouraged, when you feel despair, when you're like, man, I'm going through something I don't know what to do, those are the very places where I have found that the Lord knows how to reach in and pull you up and draw you near to Him. It's part of the fellowship of His suffering. So I'm going to stay in the passage of Scripture, and I want to just highlight what I think is your portion in His passion. Uh, sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings. What does that even mean? I mean, what an interesting phrase. There's, there's things that people go through. Our contemporary culture, though, is totally obsessed with convenience. They, they want things easy, especially the younger you get. And there's this thing real right now, like it's a real thing. People really are after the love of pleasure. I mean, that, that is a consuming force in society. People are driven by it. So, I want to jump back up to the beginning of the passage, and I want to lay out some context for you. Philippians 3, and I'm starting in verse 4. I'm just going to work your way through here to give you some ideas into what Paul's thinking. He said, though I might have confidence in the flesh. He said, if anyone thinks, anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I have more confidence. Here's what he's saying. I don't want to brag, but Paul's like, hold my beer. (laughs) Let me tell you about all the amazing pharisaical attributes of my life. He said in verse 5, I was circumcised on the eighth day. In other words, I've been in complete conformity to the law since I was a child. He said, I'm of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm of pure Jewish blood. He's bragging about it. My grandma gets like that. I think she's out today. Yeah, she is right there. Grandma, is, she always tells us, I'm, I'm fresh off the boat from Norway. I'm a pure 100% Norwegian. And she was a little frustrated marrying Kenny because she said he was a mutt. English, Irish, Scotch, and Dutch. So she'd brag about her heredity. That's... Paul said, concerning the law, I'm a Pharisee. You know, his legal precision brought him high societal status. So he's just talking about, you know, his heredity, where he'd come from. And now he's going to shift to his achievements. He said in the sixth verse, concerning zeal, I was persecuting the church. His zeal was demonstrated in his professed hatred for Christians. It says that cloaks were thrown at the feet of Saul when they killed Stephen, who was the first martyr of the church. He was there when this was all taking place and consenting with it. He said, concerning the righteousness which is from the law, I'm blameless. Judged by the standard of righteousness, Paul said, in my own eyes, I'm flawless. I've kept it. I'm the gold standard of Pharisees, but I like verse 7 because it starts with the word but. And that is one of the great things about the Bible. It's got some big buts. Whatever things that was gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. I like that, man. Because what Paul here is going through is a clear reassessment of his spiritual life. 
And I remember when I was reading this passage of Scripture, I came to this verse, and it was like, man, I could relate with what he's saying. Verse 8, indeed, he said, I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. That's, that's knowing him. For whom I have suffered the loss of all those things, all those achievements, all those accolades, everything he just talked about, his heredity, everything that made him what he was. He said, none of that matters in the end. I'm counting it as if it was garbage that I may gain Christ. He said, I want to be found in him and not have my own righteousness, which is from the law. See, Paul, uh, he said, my confidence is not in the flesh. My confidence is through faith in Jesus, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now, here's the point that I want to make when I read through these passages of Scripture. If you really want to sufficiently suffer and understand it, you should have no confidence in the flesh. That's the first phrase Paul used. Suffering is when you lay down that sense of arrogance and pride in your own achievements and accolades and things that you've accomplished and your hard work and sense of entitlement that comes from the things that you think that you have achieved in life. It's easy to hear that. It's hard to do that. You want to know why? Because human nature is religious. What do I mean by religious? I mean that we are always trying to find a way to justify our behavior. But the Bible teaches, Romans 1.17, the justification by faith. I have been, that's what Paul's talking about. I'm not justified and made righteous in the eyes of God by the things I've done. I'm justified by my faith in Jesus. And that is a stumbling stone for a lot of people. They can't get past that. It's exactly what tripped up the nation of Israel. Romans 10 and verse 3, Paul said, Israel was ignorant of God's righteousness and did not submit to the righteousness by faith. They wouldn't submit to God's plan. Now, what happens with people is we just tend to put our confidence in our flesh, the things that we've done, and that is because we're humans. And human nature, by nature, is religious. But the thing about God that's amazing is He really does not respond to your works. He doesn't respond to those things. He will reward you for the things that you've done. But he responds to faith. That's the only thing that motivates him. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you're going to come to God, you come with faith. In fact, Romans 14 says that if it's not of faith, it's sin. So this passage of Scripture, Paul's like, I, I got to lay down all of my sense of ego and achievement and place everything I have in the faith that's in Jesus. See, when, when you have confidence in the flesh, you'll end up trying to manipulate situations and take matters into your own hands. That's what happened to Abraham when he tried to bring forth a child of promise named Ishmael, and it cost him dearly. Now, I watch when people try to do this. They have confidence in the flesh, and what happens is you know, they, they, they do things like try to manipulate you with their charm, their mesmerizing personality. And I know because I have a wonderful personality. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's why you try to like make first impressions with people and put the show on. Like when people are dating, man, they're, they're always the best to each other trying to get that foot. Yeah. But my Bible tells me in Proverbs 30 that charm is a deceitful thing. And beauty can be passing. Yeah. Another way, if charm doesn't work, if, if you can't charm your way into something, people resort to force. They just get mad and start trying to figure things out. Now, my kid wanted a little motorcycle for his birthday. So we saved up, and we got a Christmas birthday gift all wrapped up in one. I bought him a little motorcycle, and you know, you can, it's got a pull start. You can pull that all day long, and you can wear yourself pulling it out, pulling it out, pulling it out. 
But if the flip to start the thing isn't on, guess what? It's not starting. And I watch people who will try to knock down doors that God has shut, but they're going to run hard enough and fast enough to try to knock it down and run right into a wall. The book of James says that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You can get angry all you want, but that's not going to get the job done. You can charm your way. You can try to manipulate your way. And if that doesn't work, you can try to be perfect in everything you do. I watch people who get caught up with this. They have a performance trap. Everything's perfect, and they're trying to live a certain way. And, and, and that was Paul's problem. He's, that's what he's telling you. I mean, he, he's talking about you know, being a Pharisee, circumcised on the eighth day. But if you read in the book of Galatians, what he later said was that the only thing I can boast in is in the cross. So if you really want to know God, you have to lay down pride, accomplishment, the sense of I've earned something from God, and walk in humility. And that involves a measure of suffering that many people don't recognize. It's just walking with him and laying something down. It's, it's really what it means to say, Lord, here's my life, take it. I trust you. Now, let me give you a second thought. You keep a finger here. And I want to go over to the book of Luke, chapter 9. Uh, you can flip a page if you have your Bible, or you can scroll over if you've got a cell phone or a tablet. You know, I, I'm really trying to work at using technology. Technology is an amazing thing. I like having a tablet. It allows me to look up Greek words in nanoseconds, and I'm grateful for that. Luke 9, verse 23. Here's what Jesus said. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Amen. Second portion of your passion in the Lord's plan. Take up your cross. In the story of the passion, Jesus carried a cross. Amen. Your part in his passion is to carry your own cross. Yeah, you know, it's interesting about the story of the passion. There was a cross that was made, but it was not made for Jesus. It was made for a man named Barabbas. But Jesus stepped in and carried that cross. Here's what I've discovered about life. There's a cross that's been made for you. It fits you. It's custom made for you. It's a heavy burden to bear. And I've just been thinking about crosses in life that people have to carry that are difficult for them. So one thing you have to carry in life is the burden, the weight, maybe, of being a leader. Now, if you're a parent, that puts you in that category. Because parenting today is a whole lot more challenging than I think it's ever been. You have to have the ability to give children uh, direction when they ask for things. You, you want to give them godly direction. Children need discipline. You got to know the right way to affirm them and, and, and discipline them. That balance, you got to figure out if they're upset about something or if they're embarrassed. I mean, it requires a disciplined schedule, a disciplined approach. And it also involves you having to be available to them. You have to be dependable on an emotional level when they, when they need you. And, and so there's this weight of like, I, I'm trying to grow a child here and it's leadership. Or maybe it's at your job where you're a boss and people are looking at you for decision-making. And, and that is the burden of being a leader. You have to know what decisions to have to make. You have to be able to solve problems. Not everyone's able to solve problems. And, and, and you're carrying influence. And, and when people are looking at you for leadership, that's an influential thing that you have. And what it's doing is putting you in the leadership category. 
whether you want to be there or not. Do you know if you're a friend, you can be in that same category? Because what people might be looking for in a friendship is someone who will tell them the truth, someone who's honest. And being an honest person means that you're willing to share from your heart. That involves a form of leadership. It's a leadership thing when you'll listen to someone and then give them advice. That's influence. That's being a friend. Or, you know, true friends are available when you need them. They don't just check out and they don't say, oh, I had a bad day, I can't be there for you, I'm going through something. No, a true friend is someone who's willing to say, I have the maturity to maybe handle the problem I have, I can be available to you. That's leadership. I'm just talking about burdens people have. Maybe you think I don't relate as a leader, but I'll tell you another burden people carry is the burden of sin. You ought to run the race that's set before you, the Bible says, and and you ought to run uh, laying aside the weight and the sin. The thing about sin is it will slow you down. It'll slow down your progress. It'll take away from you in life. You won't be able to do the things you want. You won't have the healthy family you wanted to have. You won't be able to accomplish the things that God has for you. It's a burden many people are carrying, the burden of sin. And the thing with God is that he will find a way to confront it from your life. He'll find an area of sin and deal with it. Now, I've had him do this for me in a number of occasions. And the thing about the Lord, he doesn't settle. I mean, he's always trying to perfect and work in you. And so if you've got a negative attitude, if you've got wrong thought patterns, and you go long enough, at some point the Lord will deal with it. Because you're carrying on a weight that you don't need to have. I'm talking about you know, the things that are heavy, that crosses you've got to carry. Sin might be too much for you. That's why we have a cross to get free of it. Or the burden of leadership. Uh, let me talk about the daily grind. I used the verse here in Luke because it uses the word daily. He said in this passage of Scripture, take up your cross and follow me every day. That's recorded in Matthew and Mark, but they don't use the word daily. There is a daily grind in your life. Every day presents you with an opportunity to carry a cross. Did you know that? Every day. In fact, the book of Job says that God tests man at every moment. He's testing. He's he's seeing what you're going to carry in life. You know, you have chances in life every morning to make decisions that deal with your habits. Things like your cell phone. I have friends that just got dumb phones. I envy them. Those cell phones are sneaky addictive. And so I try to, like, don't sleep next to my cell phone. I put it in the kitchen. And so if you call me in the middle of the night, sometimes I hear you, sometimes I don't. Sorry. But, you know, that phone, it's like I don't want to have the habit of rolling over and check the phone. Because what happens is that dopamine thing in your brain starts moving when you start scrolling through your social media account. That, that's a habit. What does that communicate to your children? I mean, think, think about the daily words that you're using to your spouse, to your friends, the example that you're setting. Uh, I think about daily habits that pay big dividends, like maintaining a proper diet and weight and getting to the gym and getting exercise. Those are little things that pay big payouts later in life. You know, think about God. He, he didn't have any problem blessing his people. He loves to, he, he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. But let me tell you something. Sometimes people can't handle the weight of blessing. Now, I watch this because it's like God might bless them, but if they didn't have the character to go through some difficult things, they won't know how to handle blessing when they get it. it, it that's part, part of the reason why you're in a difficult place is so you can learn. So you can grow, so you can get smarter. So when God blesses you financially, instead of hoarding it, you might be able to give it because you trust God. 
It's just crosses and things that people have to carry. Little things that pay big dividends. Little crosses, little, little things that you're carrying. You know, one thing that is weight has to do with the weight of the calling on your life. Now, uh, the Bible tells us to consider your calling. And I want you to go over to, uh, back to Philippians chapter 4 uh, in the 13th verse. And I want to highlight these verses. These are, again, some of my favorite verses. God is working something in your life, and you have a portion in the purpose of God to carry. Now, Philippians 4.13. These are great verses, one of my favorite passages. Excuse me, Philippians 3.13. Brethren, that's you and me all up in this church house. I do not count myself to have apprehended. Paul said, I have not arrived. But one thing I do, I forget the things that are behind. And he said, I'm reaching toward the things that are ahead. And then he said, I press. Someone say press. press. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, let me give you thought number three. Uh, pursue, that means to press towards the call of God. This is what I talked about this a few weeks ago. All right? uh, it's called a heavenly calling in the book of Hebrews. It's a holy calling in 2 Timothy. And on one hand, sal it, that call of God is referring to like salvation. He saved you. He's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the word that is used here is the word prize. You're competing for a prize. That prize is the crown of righteousness that one day you'll get when you step into eternity. And, and that's what God has done and worked in your life. He's saved you and he's called you to walk with him and know him. And so in one way, that is what we talk about. We talk about the call of God. Pursue it. Pursue growing in the Lord. Pursue running after him. But on the other hand, the call of God may be a specific purpose or plan or thing that he's working into your life. And as I was saying a few weeks ago, God might actually call you to do things that are not easy. He, he might put some difficult things in your pathway, and that might contain a degree of difficulty. If I have learned anything in the years I've been living, that life is good, but it can be hard. There's a measure of difficulty that comes with it. Let me talk to you about some difficult things that you go through when you're pursuing the call of God in your life. One thing is like just the ministry itself. And, you know, you may not be called into what we call full-time ministry, but the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.18, you have the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, every member should be a minister. God has got something for you to do. He's got a purpose for you to fill. He's got people for you to reach. And the challenging thing about this is that people can be difficult. The ministry and dealing with people is not easy. It can be hard. It can be hard because, as you know, people can make foolish decisions with their life. They don't listen to you. They don't take good advice. And you want to help people, but they don't always listen to it. They don't always take it. Now, I was so sad last, last week. My wife was telling me in Israel, she said, man, some crazy things are happening in Billings. I hadn't even seen the news, but Last Sunday morning, there was a man on 56th Street that killed himself. Just right down over here, he burned himself. And I didn't even hear about that. Now, I had friends tell me they drove to church. They saw, you know, problems, smoke. They, he, he suicided himself. And I saw on Facebook, then I had friends that knew him. And that kind of broke my heart because, you know, you think, man, 
I feel like we got the answers the world needs. I'm a firm believer in Jesus. He's given me peace. He's given me contentment. I don't know if anyone ever witnessed to him. I don't know where he was with the Lord, but I, I don't feel like I'm someone without hope. I have hope in Jesus. But you know what I found out about people? They still may not heed that warning. You know, Matthew 28 tells us that when Jesus was resurrected, he went up on the Mount of Olives, and they said some saw him and worshiped him, but Matthew 28, 17 says that some doubted. I hate to break it to you. You might see supernatural things. You might even you know, look, look at miracles that take place, and it still not touch someone's heart. Not everyone does believe. I was reading about Paul in Acts 17 at the Acropolis. Some were persuaded and some were not. And that's what makes it hard with people because you want to help them and bless them, but not everybody does believe. That's what Scripture teaches. So ministry can be hard. Another thing that's challenging is if you've got a long-term endeavor in life, long-term ministry, long-term career field, it can be hard to sustain something long-term. You get discouraged. You get frustrated by it sometimes. And, you know, when he talked about the goal, we're reading here in verse 14, the goal that he mentioned is referring to the runner's mark. And what they had as a person was running a race was a marker that told them how far it was to the finish line so that they could pace themselves, so they could run themselves. Now, I have been going to the gym. I get up with my running buddies over here at like, you know, 4.30 in the morning. That's when I get up. I get there at 5. We go on three-mile runs. And in the middle of running three miles, I don't feel like doing it. I feel uh, sweaty and uncomfortable. But you know what? Uh, I like how it makes me feel later. <laughs> it's worth the suffering. Yeah, because and that's the same thing with righteousness. It's worth how I feel. Living clean and close to the Lord makes me feel wonderful. I know, because I, I have been the person who's uh, spiritually out of shape, shall we say. <laughs> I know what it means to be further from the Lord, and I know what it means to be closer to Him. And it is so willing for me to continue, and it makes me feel wonderful. God, and draw near to Him, and walk with Him, even when it's difficult, because, man, it makes me feel wonderful and close. And, and I'll stick with that, man. I like the feeling of righteousness. I like how it makes me feel. Uh, the thing about the ministry that's hard, Paul said, I, I want to beseech you to walk worthy of your calling. And that word worthy, it's like an excellence that has to take place in your life. And excellence means that you're all in it for him. I I'm willing to surrender everything and fully 100% pursue the plan of God, his call upon my life, I will go after it. And that means that you live with the Lord with holiness, with obedience, where you're submitting to him, walking in the fear of the Lord. I want to walk worthy of his calling in my life. And, and, and I want to go after him. You know, what, what, what that looks like in a lot of ways is you being sincere in the love that you have for other people. Yeah, obedience would be to uh, love one another. And that, that can be challenging, can it? I mean, loving people. Yeah. Now, I found something so interesting about you know, difficult things. If you want to get through something difficult in life, and they will come, you know what it requires? It's for you to have a little maturity in life. I love the 15th verse. As many of us as are mature have this mind, that if in anything you think otherwise, God will show it to you. Now, maturity. You know how it plays out in your life? For you to have maturity, the verse, the passage of Scripture you read tells us back in the 13th verse, that you've got to forget the things that are behind you. You've got to forget things in your past. 
you've got to be able to let go of them. Because, you know, you, you, you cannot change the past. The past is the past. And, you know, I, I've had to learn from this myself. I, I have maybe sometimes in life developed a habit where I, I will look back with longing and wonder, oh, I wish I could have done this. I wonder what the different outcome would have been. And you know what I found? It's a completely fruitless exercise. Yeah. Immature people will look back and dwell with longing. But if you want to be mature and you want to pursue the call of God, you have to be able to forget that and move forward. Because the next part of maturity means you're pressing or you're reaching for the higher things in the Lord. You cannot change the past, but you know what you can change? The future. And the way that you change the future is by growing as a person, by growing closer to the Lord, by having good little daily habits. And over time, those things will build up. Compound interest will kick in, and God will bless your life. You don't have to live in the past. You can move forward in the future. I watch a lot of people who stay stuck in their past and never move beyond hurts and wounds, and it's a sign of immaturity. If you want to pursue what God has for you, some of the suffering you might endure means I'm letting go of the past, and I am moving forward in life. I'm laying it down, and I'm letting go. Now, maturity, you know what it means? It means that you know how to hear from the Lord for yourself. This verse in verse 15 is so interesting. He said that, you know, if, if you don't think that what I'm saying is right, God will reveal even this to you. All right, that means that mature people know how to hear from the Lord. And I watch immature people trying to run around from person to person or from prophecy meeting to prophecy meeting, trying to find out what God is saying. When he says right here, he wants to show you what he thinks about it. He can communicate with you directly, and it takes a mature person to be able to realize or analyze, you know what, I, I might have missed back there, but I can learn from that, and I can move forward and grow. That's the way God speaks to us. That's called maturity. That's the process of growth. Yeah. Maturity means that you're willing to do things you don't like doing. You don't always feel like doing. And you, when you do them, Scripture says without grumbling and, and complaining. Now, this is just part of marriage life. Because, you know, my wife likes Domino pizza, but I like Little Caesars. Who's right? You vote in Domino's or Little Caesars? Yeah, I know neither one of us is probably the best answer. I agree. <laughs> you know, it, I, I, but she sometimes really insists on Domino's, and so we have to just, you know, serve her. And Elizabeth, she might ask me to do things around that I don't want to do. Things I don't feel like doing, but maturity is willing to say, you know what? I can suffer a little bit. I can pursue my calling as a husband and a father and uh, step it up a little bit. I'll do something for her. Yeah, I think about, you know, maturity, and uh, I think about being happy my wife is home. I really didn't want to let her go. I didn't want Elizabeth to go to Israel, but, you know, maturity is the reason why I let her go. Because <laughs> I was like, man, I want you to be blessed. I didn't feel like staying home and taking care of kids. Hmm. <laughs> um, oh, man. That was my part in the passion of the Lord, my, my part in this. Now I'm talking about your part in, in, his, uh, in this passion. Oh, maybe the problem you have is you take too much confidence in your flesh. You know what we could call that? Spiritual pride. I, I, I'm telling you, I've, I've been in church for all my life. I have met some spiritually proud people. These are usually the people that think they're more spiritual than you are. And they find a way to look down their nose at you because they think they really hear from God more than you do. And I find sometimes people who are like that might be some of the least loving people that I know. 
That's where Paul was. Nick, he was murdering people because he felt like he was doing God's purpose. He said, I'm a very spiritual man, and I've got to kill off these Christians. So I, I've just seen it, man. Sometimes when people are so religious, it's like, man, they lose sight of God's plan. I don't, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you have too much confidence right there. Maybe there's a cross for you to bear today, and that cross, every day there's an opportunity. Every moment there's a place where he might ask you to do something you don't feel like doing as a cross that's been hand-tailored and cut for you, and I don't know what that is. But it could be that God is calling you to do something difficult. He's calling you outside of yourself, and, and he, he's working something in your life. You know, the thing about the cross and the thing about your calling, God will put something in your path to grow you and mature you. I like one guy said, if the fix that he fixed to fix you didn't fix you, he will fix another fix to fix you. And if that fix didn't fix you, he'll fix another fix to fix you. And I've just seen how God does that in my life. And it's for my good. It grows me as a person. Oh, I love that. That's part of the fellowship of the suffering. So I don't know where you're at. Maybe it's overconfidence in the flesh. Maybe it's Maybe it's carrying a cross. Maybe there's a burden you got to carry. It's made for you. Parenting, leadership. Maybe it's the call of God. He's calling you to come up a whole other level. He wants you to run after and pursue him. So I, I don't know where he's at, but he's speaking something to you right now. There's a, there's a thought in your mind. And I want to pray that. And then we're going to partake of communion. Let's just take a moment here. Father, Father, I just thank you right now growing men and women. And I pray the purpose of God. I pray that we would grow and pursue you and run after you and forget what's behind and reach for what's ahead. I thank you, Lord, for the gifts and the calling of God that are irrevocable. That means you don't change your mind and you draw us after you. Mm. I thank you for each and every person here, Lord got us all on your plan and purpose. I just sense the Holy Spirit, so I'm going to wait here a moment. One of the biggest things people ask me about is their, their purpose in life, their purpose called God. And I feel like there's a, a desire uh, that people have sometimes is untapped. And um, I just... It, that, that, that whole thing about purpose, the whole thing about, it, it's so funny, it's oftentimes associated with pain and suffering because it might be difficult or you don't know what it is and there's a longing for it. I'm trying to get that across right now. And it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal it. But I, I feel like that people might struggle because they want to know what it is and never find it. And that's what I want to pray about. I want to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to flood your heart and mind that you might know the hope of the calling <coughs> and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. So, Lord, I pray that. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Mm. Mm. Lord, I thank you. The call of God, the purpose of God, come out in Jesus' name. Come, come. I pray spirit of wisdom and revelation in people's hearts and minds. Know it. Walk in it fully. More clear every day. I, I declare that over this people in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know what I, I found so very interesting about that word fellowship, the fellowship of the suffering, which is one of my favorite, you know, uh, scriptures. It's the Greek word koinonia, and the Greek word koinonia is the same word that's used in the word communion. It, it's part of that communion meal. And there's something about communion where we're fellowshipping with God. 
it's like uh, the fellowship of his suffering. And that, that, that is such an interesting concept. That as we partake of communion, we're partaking in some of the suffering that the Lord himself went through. And you know what that makes is it makes communion a very sacred and holy thing. And through this meal, we get to share in the suffering of Jesus, um, a body that was broken, blood that was shed. And here's what that means for you and me. It means that we appreciate his sacrifice. Now, I don't think that you can fully appreciate his sacrifice without fully understanding the redemption plan of God. He sacrificed and he suffered. But that doesn't mean that you and I have to suffer with him in everything. Because his suffering, as I taught a few weeks ago, does not mean sickness in your body. This communion meal is a meal that heals. There is healing for your body in this cup. There is deliverance from sin in this cup. There is wisdom when you need it in this cup. There is peace of mind in this cup. When you partake of it, that's when the Lord joins with you. It, we can take this cup in health and wholeness because of the blood of Jesus, because of what he shed. So I'd like you to stand up, and there's a cup there beneath you in the seat. We're going to worship the Lord. And as you do that, I, I tell you what I sense. I sense that God, God's going to show you here things in your life that he wants to deliver you from, bring you into, work out your salvation, heal your body from. That's what's in this cup. So we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to partake of this cup. Bread. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man. You before the world began above all kingdoms above all thrones above all wonders the world has ever known above all wealth and treasures of the earth And all the ways of man. 
tell you, I was, I was just walking down here, and I just felt the Lord come on me, and, and he, it was almost like I had something in my spirit to get out of. Maybe I should have just <laughs> had a word brain and tongues there to bring it out, but the, the thing that hit me had to do with the call of God, and I had planned here to just, you know, tell you that in this cup, there's healing, and you partake this meal with us, God can heal your body, uh, and he will, but I, I just have a sense in this communion moment when we talk about Sometimes pursuing the call of God. I have a sense that there's someone out there, I don't know who I'm talking, maybe someone even watching online, that you feel disappointed in maybe missing God, maybe not pursuing Him fully or being outside of His will. And the thing about this communion, it's about you and me getting close to Him. It, there's, a, there's a fellowship in this. And in spite of difficulty or pain, that God, His grace is sufficient for you. It shows up in remarkable ways. I sense his presence closely when I take this meal. This is not religious tradition. This is the Lord's holy table and his affirming nature. He wants to be with you. So as we partake, we're partaking in a meal of pain that brings forth the blessing of the Lord in your life. Let's partake of the bread. Mm. Lord, I thank you. And for this cup, thank you for the blood of Jesus that is shed for all men. I thank you it's through the blood that we have the ability to draw near to the Lord. The blood is what gives us access into his presence that we can boldly come before him. Father, I thank you for the blood that's made us right with you. With faith in Jesus. Let's partake of this cup. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I just bless this people. I thank you, Father, for your plan and your purpose, and I pray it comes to pass in their lives. I pray the Lord bless and keep us as we go about our days. Father, I thank you for guidance and wisdom and direction and knowledge of you and know what to do, and I thank you that you said you'd never leave us and never forsake us. Mm. And I just sense God's presence. I sense God's presence. I, I want to just read here verse 12 from this third chapter. Not that I've already attained or have been perfected, said, I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. <coughs> the Lord laid hold of me as a young man, and I'm so glad he did. I turned my whole life and went after him because he laid hold of me. And I, I don't know, I just sense that maybe God is grabbing hold of a young man's heart, and I want to challenge you to walk with him. If you don't know the Lord, this is the perfect time to come to him. All it takes is faith in his name and accepting his sacrifice and turning from your sin. And I'd love to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you this morning, you say, I want to go after him. Put a hand up, I want to pray with you. Yeah. Amen, I see that hand. Say with me, say, Father, I'm going after you, and I'm not looking back, and I receive your forgiveness. Make me new, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Whew. Dude, I feel the presence of the Lord. If you want prayer, it's a great time to pray because we've got a worship team up here.
So I feel God's presence. And I'll, I'll have 20 minutes here. We'll be back in that fellowship hall talking about traveling together. So I love you all very much. We'll catch you all next week. If you want prayer, we're here to pray with you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man. Above all thrones, above all.